Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here. This is uh, Easter Resurrection Sunday morning. Uh, it's also something that's kind of the tail end of a series we've been in for the last four weeks now. I guess this would be week five. We've been in a series called Miracles. Everybody say Miracles. Uh, miracles are one of those things that if you didn't grow up in church, they're hard to get your head wrapped around because you read these stories in the Bible and you're like, really? Um, that how you like that? You're going with that? You're, you're, you're believing that? And, and, and I would just dare to say that like you might want to open up your mind to the possibility of miracles. And, and here's why. Ultimately, I think you can believe in miracles starting with the fact that you exist. Right? Like, do you exist? How many exist? You exist? I hope you exist. If you exist, what you have to believe then is that you you exist for a reason or there's some reason for why you're here or whatever. Or you could just say there's a reason why something exists rather than nothing existing, right? Like there's got to be a reason why something exists rather than like why does anything exist at all? What is the cause or the chain reaction behind anything that is. Now, if you, if you read the Bible, you believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If you don't, you can just still go with science. And science says that at a singular starting point in the universe, life, space, time, and material began. They call it the Big Bang. We call it Genesis 1. But what they determined was is that the universe doesn't go infinitely forward or backward. It doesn't work like that. The second law of thermodynamics would prove that, that things move towards chaos. Therefore, you can't have infinite movement towards chaos or you'd eventually... Anyway... My point is, is that you exist, and, and, and it, what scientists determined was is that at a singular point in time, something began to exist. That's why we're here. And what they determined was is that time, matter, space, all this began to exist at one time, which means this, is that something that caused something to exist had to be spaceless, because you can't be space and cause space, right? You can't, so, so whatever caused it had to be timeless, because you'd have to be timeless to cause time, or time would have already existed while you were creating time. You, you get the... So you'd have to be immaterial, because you can't be material making material. You've got to be timeless, immaterial, spaceless. You'd have to be intelligent, because this is pretty complicated things here. You have to be personal, because you'd have to chosen to create something rather than nothing anyway. That's just now you've got God. You have God. You have an immaterial, personal, intelligent, spaceless, timeless right. being. And we happen to think that he is love. Does that, does that make sense? So you exist, and... If God has the ability to create something out of nothing, then all things are possible, right? Because like, like if you can take nothing and make something, then you can take something and turn it into anything that you want. So it just reasons logically to say miracles are at least a possibility. Can I get a, can I get a what what? Um, so, so these miracles that Jesus performs were these eye-catching things that literally helped solidify what he was saying. And so he'd do these miracles where he would say, hey, I'm going to feed all you people with bread and fish. But then he would say, hey, just so you know, I'm the bread of life. I know y'all are full with your happy meals right now, but ultimately I'm what will make you happy in life. And then he would open up blind high eyes or he'd make lame people walk or he'd do all these incredible... One time he just turned water into wine because they ran out of wine. But for whatever reason, there's all these miracles out there. And today... We will look at what I think is like the most kind of unique miracle. Um, how many of you like Marvel? Okay, let's go, let's go Marvel or DC Comics. Go Mar- Mar- Marvel. Okay, so in DC Comics, though, there's a dude named Aquaman. Are y'all tracking with me so far? Please, there, I promise this is going to go somewhere. Y'all are like, he just went from laws of thermodynamics to Aquaman. I, just, I promise this is going somewhere. Aquaman, remember... 
swam with the fishes, and he had a triton, and he could like swim fast, he was super strong, and he could control the, 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 the marine life and all that stuff. That, that. Jesus performs, I'm not lying, I think they got Aquaman from Jesus, because Jesus performs an Aquaman miracle. Are you all ready this morning? All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 21. If not, I want you to read along with me on the screen. The Bible says that Simon Peter said to them, the disciples, his buddies, he said, I am going fishing. And they said to him, well, we're going with you. And they went out and they got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, I need you to get your head wrapped around the context for a second here. This is after the resurrection. And Peter, and you'll see why, Peter is lost. Peter's confused. Peter thinks of himself as a failure and as a loser, and he doesn't know what he's going to do with his life. And so if you remember where Jesus found Peter to become a disciple to begin with, is he found him fishing, because that's where men really want to be anyway. So they're fishing and, and as they're fishing, Jesus is like, come and follow me. Well, now he thinks his life is over, his future is over. And so he says, I'm going to go back fishing. I'm just going to return to my old lifestyle. And the disciples are like, well, hey, we're going to go with you. The Bible says in verse 4, it says, Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, that's condescending, uh, Children, do you have any fish? Now, what did they do all night long? And how much did they catch? This is insulting. Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, hey, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you will find some fish. And so they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Now, I want you to get this. These are, these are professional fishermen. This is what they were trained to do their whole lives. And they go out fishing and they catch nothing. And then some jack wagon on the beach so far away, they came. He's like, hey, y'all got any fish? No. Hey, just put, just put the net on the other side. Really? That's been my problem all night. I was, I was throwing it to the wrong side of the boat, apparently. But see, this is, this, and maybe you don't know this, but this is a story and a miracle that took place very, very early in the disciples' life where Jesus had done this. And I think all of a sudden they're like, hold on, wait a minute, what's going on here? And so they do it, which doesn't make any sense other than they think, maybe, maybe holy smokes, this is taking me back to a previous time where Jesus did something crazy like this. And he, they throw their net on the other side and it says they catch so many fish they can't even bring it all in, which then begs the question, what is the actual miracle? What did Jesus actually do? He didn't open up blind eyes. He didn't make a lame walk. He didn't raise anybody back to life. What did he do? He somehow made fish leave for the night and then in one moment all come back. You know, I, it's the Aquaman miracle. The miracle was just simply that he made fish leave and then fish come back to an exact point in an exact time that he wanted to. I mean, there's nothing overly great about that other than like, that's, that's Aquaman. That's original. That's OG. Aquaman. And so, so the Bible says that they, they, they catch all these fish so much that they can't even haul it all in. And then, you know, like, again, what's the point of all this, Jesus? Here's the point. Look at what takes place. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, hey, it is the Lord. That's Jesus. And when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work, which is like, wait a minute. Why are you naked? Um, I'm assuming he had just some like just mighty tidies or something. He had something on. That threw me off when I read that. I'm like, hold on. Why did you strip? Anyway, 
So he puts on his coat, which doesn't make sense either. You don't put on clothes to dive into the water, but he put on his clothes, threw himself into the sea, and the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw... This is Now watch this. This is the point of the miracle. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and some bread. This is what I want you to, like, this is the point of the miracle. If you look at what Peter was, Peter was just like every person in life. They are longing for something, looking for something, searching for something, desiring something, wanting something in life. We are all the same way. If you go back and look at all of our decisions, we're chasing something. We're chasing a girl. We're chasing a guy. We're chasing happiness. We're chasing money. We're chasing significance. We're chasing purpose or meaning or love. or We're chasing things. And Peter was no different. And when he thought that his life was kind of wrecked and ruined and he didn't know where to go he went back to doing what he always knew how to do which was fish he went back looking for meaning and purpose and trying to figure out what to do with his life and you know what he caught nothing and jesus shows up pulls off aquaman the fish show up but think about this when he gets to the shore what does he find he finds jesus sitting there with some charcoal and some fish already sitting there for you. I guess the point was this, is that the very thing in life you are searching for, Jesus already has prepared for you. The thing that you long for in life, I'm telling you, this is just what I've learned. It it took me years to figure it out. I've observed all kinds of people doing that. We're all searching for something. We're searching for life, love, connection, relationship, purpose, significance, meaning. We're looking for something to validate our life, to give some type of explanation to it all. We are looking for... So This is why Mick Jagger said, I can't get no... I can't get no satisfaction. I'm longing, I'm looking, but I can't, I can't find it. And gee, what you, this is the whole point of the whole miracle, is everything you were ever longing for in life, You've been fishing all night long, coming up empty. And what you didn't know is that Jesus is sitting over that shore with some charcoal and a grill and fish and even a little bread to go with it. That's just bonus material right there. That's the point of it all is that the things that you long for in life, they are sitting there waiting for you in Jesus. Now, I want you to see what happens next because what happens next is kind of strange. Jesus does something you're like, okay, what are you doing? So when they had finished, this is verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I I don't know what these are. I don't know if Jesus is like looking at the fish. Like, do you want fish or do you want me? I don't know if he's looking at the disciples and his buddies and like, I don't don't know exactly what the these are, but you know, here's my guess. You've got a these. I almost wonder if the author left it odd so that you weren't trying to figure out, well, of course I want Jesus more than fish. I don't even like fish that much. I think he left it blank and odd and mysterious to say, hey, what's your these? Like, because you've got a these. You've got something out there. And, and if you've ever become a, a, a Christ follower, you know that there are certain things out there like, I think I want this, but I think Jesus would be better. But then you're constantly torn and you've got a these sitting there. You, you could have never put your faith in Jesus, but you've got these things sitting there, the things that drive your life, the things that your heart longs for. And Jesus is just saying, hey, do you, do you want that? Do you want to like fish all night and catch nothing? Or do you want, do you want me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you, you, you know I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. 
And then he said to him to a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Like, he doubled down on the question. And then he said, well, then tend my sheep. Then Jesus says a third time. This is almost like the super emo needy boyfriend or girlfriend that just needs like a lot of validation. Do you really? No, do you? Do you think she's prettier than me? Do you really love me? Do you? Yes! Stop asking. The love is waning as you keep asking, but just stop, stop, stop right now. It, it appears that Jesus is that, but it's not, okay? I thought that, it just, it's not. There's something going on here. So he says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him three different times, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now again, this was not Jesus being a, a, a needy savior. Jesus doesn't need anything. What this was is it was basically Jesus taking a moment to help restore Peter. Because during the crucifixion, during the trial, the mock trial where they brought in accusation against Jesus, when they arrested him from the garden, what was actually going down was is that Peter, the Bible says, denied Jesus three different times. This is, this is how the story goes. The Bible says that when they seized Jesus, they led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, they all sat down together. Peter was sitting there among them. And a servant girl, seeing as he sat in the light, looked closely at him and said, Hey, this man also was with Jesus. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, no, I ain't. And after an interval of out of an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this is the guy that was with Jesus. He's also a Galilean. They had a different accent. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered saying that, saying of the Lord where he said, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he left. He went out and wept bitterly. So now you're like, Jesus is taking this moment to kind of restore Peter because it was three different times that he denied Jesus. And it was three different times that Jesus asked him the question. Because see, here's, here's what you need to know. How many of you ever grew up kind of on a farm or had a farm like family or Okay, two people. Okay, good. Okay, I'm a city kid. I'm from South Carolina. I'm a city kid. I was born and raised in the city, but my grandfather was a cattle rancher and a farmer. And so I used to go down and spend summers or spend weekends, and I'd spend a good bit of time down there, and it was a lot of fun. It was awesome. And, but, but here's the deal. We didn't have a rooster, but the neighbor had a rooster. And man, my grand, it didn't matter because my grandfather was that kind of guy that got up at 4.30 a.m. to go out and start feeding the cows. He was the guy that got more work done before you woke up, you know, that kind of a thing. And that was the way it was. But I remember growing up as a kid, and I'm a city kid, so what do I want to do? I want to stay up late, and I want to sleep in. And then the dad Jim rooster. <laughs> Stupid rooster. I had a BB gun. Anyway... And every morning that rooster would crow and you didn't need an alarm clock. The rooster was going to go off. And, and that, you're just going to hear it every morning. Thank God there's no roosters allowed in the city, I don't think. But there, 
there was a rooster, and every, and so I want you to think, when you grow up living in an agricultural society with farmers and ranchers and sheep herders and all that stuff, what, a rooster was just the most common thing in the world. It was, you didn't need alarm clocks. That was going off every single morning. I want you to think about this real quick here, is that Peter, the very thing that reminded him of his greatest failure, of his weakness, of his betrayal, of, oh my, you denied Jesus and abandoned Jesus in his hour of greatest need. You're that guy. And every morning he hears that sound, he is reminded. Can you imagine living with that level of guilt? Like we all have guilt, don't we? And see here, I wrote this down. Guilt has a shrinking effect to our lives, doesn't it? It, is, it shrinks our lives down to the size of our greatest failure. So whenever we have guilt, we are always got this thing in the back. It's like a backpack, and we just kind of carry it with us. And anything that triggers the memory, brings it back up, reminds us of our failure, reminds us of that time that this happened, that happened, this relationship, that job, that business. That, I mean, like, and you want to avoid it like the plague, don't you? You don't want anything to remind you. You don't want that gut-wrenching feeling to ever come back again. We hate the feeling of guilt. It's just terrible. But every morning, stupid. I'd be killing every rooster. I'd be like the, 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 the rooster massacre. I mean, we'd be all over. So every morning the rooster crows. But I want you to see this. The Bible said very, very particularly in John chapter 21, it said early in the morning, Early in the morning. When did Jesus make Aquaman miracle happen? Early in the morning. When did Peter come and find Jesus on the, sea, on, the, on the seashore? Early in the morning. He pulls Peter to the side while the roosters are crowing. And he takes those three awful betrayals. And three times he restores Peter back to who he was always meant to to be. That is the story of the Aquaman miracle. It's that Jesus just wanted to create a miracle to create a moment so that he could ultimately restore Peter. I wrote this down. Guilt is the conditioned response to sin. Do you know that? And just so you know, we're all sinners. None of us are good. None of us are righteous. We're all sinners. We're all lost. We all got problems and issues and weird things. We should all be in therapy probably. We all, we all got baggage. We all got things in our past that we regret. We all carry guilt with us. And guilt is the conditioned response to sin. Like, like have you ever heard of Ivan Pavlov? He's the guy. Did the experiment with the dogs where he took the dogs. And then what he'd do is he'd pull out a treat and then he'd ring a bell and then he'd give them the treat. And he would just do this over and over and over again until he conditioned the dogs to where every time they heard the dinging of the bell, their mouths would begin to salivate because they just thought that's what was about to happen. As a matter of fact, if you ever watch The Office, Jim does that to Dwight in a... In a <laughs> he gives him a tic-tac. Anyway, it's, it's the conditioned response that every time I hear the bell, I, I, I salivate. I want you to think about this. Every time Peter heard the rooster crow, guilt and shame came back to his life. It is the normal. Think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The very first human beings, they sin and immediately they go some through the looms and some leaves and some whatever and then they go hide from an all-knowing, all-seeing God. And when God finds them, he's like, what are y'all doing? You can't hide from me. He goes, well, we were afraid. We were ashamed. They knew they were guilty and we all live with some type of guilt over our lives but I want you to know this part is that confession is what frees us from the weight of guilt. 
Like, that's it. Like, that's, you, you would think there's got to be like a payment. Can you imagine, because you do this to your friends sometimes, when your friends really do you wrong, don't you put them on a list? And be like, oh, you owe now. You owe. You got to pay the piper. You, gotta, you, better, you better come over and mow my lawn. You better wash my car. You better send me a note with some flowers. Because, like, you, you, girls, that's why there's such a thing as a doghouse. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he done jacked up, done something wrong, said something dumb. But, oh, you in the doghouse. All that means is you owe and you, you got to pay. And normally, when we think about Peter, man, we would have made him pay. We just say, hey, you got to go through discipleship training all over again. You got to go through the, the, the 12 classes and the five steps and the eight prayers and all this stuff. And I don't even know, is it going to be a two year probationary period? Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost, preaches the very first gospel sermon, 2,000 people get saved. Because Jesus is in the restoration business. This is what he does. This is what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to take, because you're a sinner, whether you know it or not, you are, you're, you're a sinner. And he wants to take your sin and remove it. He wants to take your guilt and remove it. And all it is is this simple invitation to come. Watch this. This is an incredible scripture here. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 says this. The Bible says that Jesus, he canceled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. This is literally what takes place here. It's it's an exchange that takes place. Is that you ultimately come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I'm going to give you all my sin. And the Bible says he takes all the records and all the charges. and There's a list apparently. Thank God he's not checking it twice. He's, He's nailing it to a cross is what the Bible says. And you give him all of your sin. And then he gives you all of his righteousness. And it's the most unfair trade in the history of all mankind. This is the point. Because here's, here's where some of you live. Sin minus grace equals guilt. So your whole life, you live with guilt. Your whole life, you were told that you weren't good enough. So if you grew up in Catholic church or Pentecostal church or some church is just kind of mean and harsh, and you were like, you're bad and you're evil and you're not good enough and you'll never. And you, <laughs> and you live with your sin and there's no grace and you live with guilt. But Jesus' version is this, is sin plus grace equals gratitude. So Jesus invites you in to say, I want you to give me all of your sin. I want you to confess it and give it to me. And I'm going to give you all of my grace, all of my kindness, all the undeserved, unearned. You didn't do nothing for it. You couldn't have worked hard enough for it. And then from that point forward, you don't live in guilt. You live in gratitude. Why do you think we follow Jesus? I don't follow Jesus because I owe. I follow Jesus because he paid it all. And now out of the gratitude of my heart, I just get to follow Jesus there's this, um, there's this time in my childhood where, um, okay, dads, listen to me real quick here. When I was a little boy, I loved getting in my dad's stuff. Was anybody else like that? Because dad always had cooler stuff than you had, right? And you wanted to get in dad's stuff. And my dad was like a hunter sportsman, and so he had like cool guns and knives and everything. And most everything was locked up, but he's like really cool collector specialty knives. And then whenever he wasn't home, what did I go do? Yeah, I was mischievous. I went and played with stuff. Like, he had these collector coins that you weren't supposed to touch. Nobody knows. I touched all them things. <laughs> My dad died like five years ago. I can say anything I want now. He loves me no matter what now. There's nothing he can do about it anyway. So, but yeah, he had all these coins and like little, I, mean, I touched all them things. They're down in value because they got little Todd fingerprints <laughs> all over them. He had these like really cool collector knives. And one of these knives that I grabbed um, it, it had like a locking system to it when you opened it. Well, I had like little, little seven-year-old, eight-year-old hands. And so I got the knife open, but my hands, I didn't know how to, and I couldn't get it closed. And I'm like, oh, crap, now I'm going to get found out. 
And, and I was like, you're in a panic, you know, as a little kid, because like, I got whoopings when I was a kid. I don't know about you, but like, I think kids need whoopings. Anyway, I got, I got whoopings. I, I needed more whoopings, clearly, but because there wasn't enough of the fear of God in me not to mess with the knives, so I probably needed more. But I opened the knife, and I couldn't get it close, so I panicked. I just stuck it back in the drawer and put some socks over the top of it. How I many you know, like, what are you thinking? You don't stick knives in drawers and just cover them with socks. Somebody can go get some, some, some little white tube socks and cut their hand off. And so, because this knife was sharp. And, and so, man, it didn't take long. And all of a sudden, my dad yells, Todd, Chad, get in here. You know? Come, I, I knew. My brother's like, hey, what's up? You, know? <laughs> you ever, like, get your dog when your dog's in trouble? You know, they do that. I was, that was me. And I go in there, and I'm like, yeah, Dad, what is it? And he's like, hey, which one of you were playing in my drawer and got out one of these knives? My brother's like, not me, he did it. <laughs> he was two years older, so I couldn't take him yet. And so, um, and so I'm like, uh, I don't even know what I said. I think I was speechless. He, I think Chad ran out the room laughing, and I just was like, the dog that can't confess but just looks guilty of sin. And I remember my dad sat me down and it was different because normally I think my dad would have given me the business and given me a spanking or given me whatever. And, 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 and it was different that day because what he did was is he sat me down and he goes, Todd, when you opened up the knife and you couldn't get it closed, what, why did you just throw it back in the drawer? I was like, because I was going to get in trouble. I, I, don't, I don't know. And what he said to me was so profound. I still remember it. What, what he said to me was, Todd, if you make a mistake like this, if you'll bring it to me, I can help you. I thought, that's life. You got all your sin, you got all your junk, and you're just like trying to figure out how to cover it up, not tell nobody about it. Everybody knows anyway. You try to like hide it and put underwear over it or whatever, and what you don't know is like that sin's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt other people. It's already hurt people. Like you're living with this unconfessed thing, this guilty thing, this thing that you've done, and, and your heavenly Father has an invitation to say, hey, if you'll just come to me, I can help you with that. If you live with that on your own, you, you, it'll hurt you. It's going to hurt other people. You, you and your sin is, is going to lead to damage and destruction and death and darkness. But if you'll just come to me, I can help you with that. Anybody ever watch The Godfather? I'm too young to like watch it when it came. But I had this thing. I was like, I think as an American, I need to watch The Godfather. I was like a rite of passage thing. And so when I was in my 20s, I got, I got out all Godfather movies and just went on like a... Vito Corleone, you know, it's like a Netflix binge, but those movies are long. And, and there's this part in the movie, you know, where, where he's sitting there and he has the guy come in and they kiss the ring and he's like, hey, I need you to, you know, whatever. And they're like, boss, how are you, you going to get him to do that for you? And he says these really kind of cool words. He says, I'm going to make him an offer that he can't refuse. You remember that line? He was, he was doing, I'm going I'm to make him an offer. I'm not, I'm not Italian. I can't do that. <laughs> he said, I'm going to make him an offer. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. I, I'm just going to help you real quick here. I've been following Jesus for like 20 years now. He gave me the greatest offer, and there's never been a better offer come along. It's I give him my sin. He gives me his righteousness, and he calls it all good. 
And I live my life out of that now, saying, you know what? For the one who paid it all, for the one who gave it all, the one who died for me and rose again, I will gladly serve and follow. It is an offer you can't refuse. Do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes today. If you're in here today, I just want you to know that Jesus has paid it all, and now there's just an invitation now. Jesus is inviting you to come and to follow, to come and to know, to come and to trust. Like, that's the thing he's inviting you to do. Just take a leap of faith. Take a step. Take, take some type of moment where you say, God, I want to trust you with my life. I don't want to live with this sin. I don't want to live with this guilt. I don't want to try to save my own life and figure this thing out. God, I need you in my life. And if you're in here today and you say, you know what? I need that. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I want God's help and God's presence. I want those things in my life. The invitation is there. And I'm telling you, there is no better invitation. This is the best. That's why it's called grace. You can't quite earn it. You can't deserve it. It's just freely given. But you have to accept it. You have to receive it. You have to take a step of faith. And so if you're here today and you say, Todd, I want to make that step. I need God in my life and I want God's grace and forgiveness in my life. Then on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up in the air to say, God, I need you. On the count of three, one, two, three, and slip your hand up in the air. God, I want your forgiveness. God, I need your grace. God, I need your help. Amen. If you're in here today and you raised your hand, I want you to know like that, that invitation. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. The Bible says that salvation happens in the moment where we kind of confess that Jesus is Lord. And so I'm going to help you and lead you in a prayer right now. Would you, would you pray with me? And I want everybody to pray it out loud. So you can hear it with your own ears. We're going to do it out loud, but we're all going to do it so nobody feels weird. But let's pray. It'll go something like this. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and change my life. Help me, Lord, to know you, to follow you, to serve you. I thank you, Lord, that you died for me and that you rose again so that I might have life. Help me, Lord, to follow you today and every day. For the rest of my life. It's in your name that I ask. And then we all give a good gospel. Amen. 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 Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this time? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.